on our terms, where we share our friend and founder journey and tell you how being labeled as non-traditional seems to be our superpower. We hope you enjoy the ride as much as we have. Oh my God. Even. (laughs) Hello. Everyone, it's Cami Padilla alongside my co-host and co-founder, Mary Meller. Thank you so much for tuning into On Our Terms live today, even a few minutes late, but that's showbiz baby. Today is a very special and important episode for Mary and myself, and it's because we are going to be talking about owning our femininity in a very masculine endeavor. We've had a super vulnerable and real conversation for you today. And again, we're live. So who knows where we could go? Um, I'm coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in my home office where you may see a very feminine uh, piece of art behind me. I am a Pisces. Uh, Cammie's coming uh, to you from Chicago, where I was with last week in her beautiful apartment in Westtown. Um, so yeah, we're excited to chat today. Don't forget to stay around till the end. We're going to run you through some of our favorite things on the internet uh, this week. And uh, let's let's go, Cammie. Let's talk on our terms, baby. Okay, so Mary, before we talk about the very unbalanced female-to-male ratio in the tech space, can you please tell me and the audience something that you've done for yourself to make your week on your terms? Absolutely. So this is going to be really related to kind of the conversation we're going to have later. But I, as I mentioned, I was in Chicago with Cami um, the last few days, and my little sister is back home in between jobs. And I thought, you know, I have this huge to-do list, and she's housing for me. Let me see if I can hire her to basically be my personal assistant slash house manager. She was excited for the extra cash, and turns out <laughs> loves doing organizational and admin stuff. I mean, I had her start a Poshmark store for me. I've listed all of my clothes that I want to get rid of. I did like grocery and Costco runs for us. Um, took things to Goodwill, organized, and it literally was a game changer to come home and just have all of those things were hanging over my head, kind of knocked out. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend finding help if you're you know, if you can do that. And side note, Elise is starting an online executive business. So we'll highlight that when it's our IG and website up. But if you're looking for an admin um, who you can trust, she's amazing. Highly recommend. So yeah, that's, that was my trick. Well, thanks for sharing that because I love this professional tip for other professional women. You know, so much is on their plate and they literally cannot do it all on their own, at least in the time frame that they would desire to do it. So it's so amazing that your sister is allowing you a safe place to allow her to help you. But this is a perfect segue to have a raw and unfiltered conversation about we women being told or shown so often that they cannot have it all. So today, our listeners will hear our journey as two women who want to break that stereotype and show them how our honesty has allowed us to lead with our truth and how it's allowed others, especially the men surrounding us, to share their experiences. So Mary, please kick us off. You are recently married and you are 32 years young. It feels like we have a few more years to build out voting mission, but in the next year, you and Gary want to build a family. So let's dive into it, baby. Can you talk to us about how juggling entrepreneurship and planning for that future feels? 
I am actually really nervous to talk about this. Butterflies. <laughs> I didn't think so. Okay. Um, oh, yes, I'm I can. I'm new wife. I have a husband. We've mentioned him. Shout out to Gary. He's our fractional CFO. Um, he's awesome. And and I'm going to be really raw with you guys, but I'm going to throw a wrench for your live. Somebody doesn't know I'm going to do this because I rewatched my favorite documentary of all time last night. I'm a huge documentary nerd. She is. It's going to sound totally antithetical to kind of what uh, we're talking about. But my favorite documentary is called The Fog of War. It is a <laughs> documentary chronicling Robert McNamara, who was the former Secretary of Defense, President of Ford Motors, um, and President of the World Bank. Uh, it is directed by Errol Morris, scored by Philip Glass, one of my favorite composers. If you're into 20th century history or international relations, go watch it. But it's really interesting because he's an old man in his 80s and gets really reluctant about what he's done and basically implicates himself as a war criminal. <laughs> I've seen this freaking I also have to remember, not only was he a war criminal uh, there for the Bay of Pigs and the Viet- Vietnam War, but he was president of Ford Motors, and he is one of the key people, reasons why we have seatbelts. And so he has this quote when he's talking about business, and he says, there's no contradiction between a soft heart and a hard head. And that's how he tried to lead as a business leader, meaning, yeah, we're beholden to our online, our shareholders, but we also need to think about our employees and our customers and society as a whole. And to me, that feels very feminine. Um, yeah. I think it's exactly kind of how we try to approach our business, which is we try to lead with our hearts. And, you know, the times where I feel like we've gotten off track or distracted or things don't feel right is when we're just all head, all rationality, doing what other founders have done, i.e. other men have done. Um, and when I feel like we're in a groove and when we see the most growth and traction, it's when we're leading with our hearts. So I wanted to like throw that out to kind of start the conversation and see what you thought, Cammie. Well, I love that. And you know, if anyone's listened to any of our past episodes, we specifically chose to build Vodium on our terms because we felt like our femininity wasn't being taken seriously or had the place of being, well, taken seriously. And that made me kind of go inward yeah. and not feel as if I could ever be successful. And there were times, and especially in my political career, where I was a hard ass, right? I kept things on deadline. But then when I started managing other women in my political career, I would provide them insights of to, this is why I'm telling you to do this. This is why you are doing this, right? You are doing this because this is what it will, this is what you will pay, will push forward. There were so many instances, especially for young women starting out in their career where they'll just be busy bees, do this, do this, do this, do this. And they'll never be returned with that affirmation of this final project was all because of the work that you right. do. And it's that nurturing nature that we've definitely provided for one another in Vodium, but we think it's, the best, safest place to allow for others who work alongside us and with us to be able to put their best foot forward, which I hope will then provide us their best work. Totally. Exactly. And actually, another side note that wasn't in our script, uh, I was listening to Mo News this week, which we've shouted out on the podcast before. Love Mo. But Mo is on paternity leave. And so they had someone, Jill Wagner, his co-host, had uh, this amazing woman, and I can't remember her name talking about the wage gap this week. And she referenced a study by the Bank of America 
um, that said that if we would reach basically gender parity and equity in C-suite and corporate boards, the United States GDP would grow by 20, 31% or $28 trillion. So like there's, there's math behind this that like women, when we lead, we lead differently and it's good for business and good for the economy. And I just think like so many people have talked about this and, it, you know, have shouted it from the rooftops. We're not here to tell you about that today. We're going to tell our personal stories, but just think that as female leaders, like I'm really proud just in the way that we lead and in the decisions that we've made. And I think it's a good reminder that women leaders see really good business outcomes and it's good for business and good for the economy. Well, we're like, we're not afraid, at least I'm not afraid to ask questions. So it's like, hey, what does everyone think about this, right? A safe place for people to even speak up because people are scared shitless to speak up these days, especially when they're like at a corporate meeting and they're in like a, a big uh, boardroom and everyone's looking at this paper and like understood everyone's everyone's following and people are just like, yep. It's like, no, just say what the hell is on your mind. Um, but Mary, I don't. I feel you reflect uh, deflecting a little bit, honey. A little bit, so. I know. All right, I'll get back. So on wait, that. let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Let me get my tea. We are in <laughs> get the tea, girl. So you can also spill the tea, honey. Strong female characters in Ted Lasso. So yes, yes, ma'am. So Gary is a few years older yeah. than you. He is an executive in the healthcare industry. He you know, before meeting you was making great money for himself. He has his own house. He was single. He has a cat <laughs> and has a yard. It's like the perfect, most beautiful picket fence life in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, now you two are married. We are. Ever since I've met you, your career has been such a passion of yours. Career aside, just the way that you approach our world and what's going on and the, the solution-based outcome and positions you always are trying to put yourself in to ask more and differently of what is going on always showed me that you will never be someone who cannot not be doing something. Yeah, right. I'm very – I'm just so – happy that yeah. you have an equal partner who no matter what you choose to do will be able to financially provide for your family right which is now you but how do you feel about that because yeah. if you're going to have a family the, the pressure, pressure and the onus of the woman taking a step back is always first and foremost. And immediately it's just put on you. And a lot of other mothers have talked about there is no safe place for the working mom and they just go on their life feeling so alone. Right. Right. Yeah. All things going through my head and you're exactly right. Also I'm in the South was raised in a very traditional setting and um, I asked was Cammy in some ways, but like, I think where I am today is I'm a new wife uh, I am started a founder. I, in some ways, feel like I already have a baby, and that's Bodium. And I mean that in just respect to my friends who are parents. But like, I, you know, when I hear parents talking about they can never not think about their child and their it's consuming their whole brain, I, I feel the same way about our company. And I'm sure that perspective will shift when I actually have a child, if I'm you know lucky enough to. But like, I do want to have a baby, and for so long I have. And thank you for calling me out on it. In some ways, like been focused just on achieving, achieving, achieving. I mean, just like 
since I since I literally turned 18 and was like, I'm getting out of here. Like I, I mean, it's just always been something I cannot sit still. And so it's really scary, honestly. Um, and it's scary to talk about this, but it's scary to think about having a baby. And I'm with a partner who's a little older and is ready. And I am 32, almost 33. I know it's time to start having those conversations. And I desperately want a family. Like there's that's the truth. But it's like a yes and because I'm scared how to balance it all, even with a supportive partner who says, step back if you want to focus on the kid for a while, or literally Gary, super progressive of him, says, if you want to be the red winner, like I'll be a stay-at-home dad and take those kids to the golf course every day, which love him for that. Like, so I it's like I have this setup where I have a supportive business partner, I have a supportive husband, but like it's scary to think that. Like, how would you have it all? And I've heard that you can have it all, but not at the same time. But it's like, I don't want to get my career. And I also want to have a kid. And I, you know, I've, we have great role models and entrepreneurs, um, female entrepreneurs who are having kids, like Nellie Diamond Hillhouse, Natalie Holloway of Bala, Lauren Rillingary of Higher Dose, who shout out to her. She and her partner, Katie, are amazing. But like, it, even seeing those women, you know, I don't know how they, how they do it. Like, I don't know how you can be so maxed out on all fronts. So, well, the huge, a huge component of that is you have help. Um, we live in a society that tells us and shows us in every form that as a woman, our reproductive system, ident- you know, is our sole identity. So you're one of your main jobs is to reproduce, right? On maybe not your terms, but as a younger millennial, different generation, we're pushing back on that. But it's to speak out and say that you do need help because you do want to do it all. And it may not be linear and it may not be exactly in your nine to five and it may look sporadic and chaotic as hell. But if it gives you the happiness that I'm able to wake up with my children and then at 11 a.m. I'm going to have a huge board meeting, right? And then I'm going to have lunch, pick up my kids from daycare and then have busy work, right? It's asking for help just like you did with the lease that's giving you practice. That if this society puts pressure on women to have children and reproduce for our society, yet does not give us any infrastructure, right? Literally, or, uh, or support that comes easy and is readily available, then it's it's. I say do it however the hell you want to. Yeah, exactly. But and I- so many people get nitpicked for what, how they do it. Totally nitpicked, right? And I mean, this is one of the reasons this is so vulnerable. It's like, I mean, the conversations Gary and I are having is like, how how will we find that support, right? Do we need to move closer to more family? Will we hire a Lino pair and have to buy a bigger house, right, to do that? Like, will we have daycare and then a nanny after hours? Because right now, we both have extremely full-time jobs, right? Like, will we hire out more of our housework? I mean, these are the conversations I want to hear more of. So, you know, I don't have the answer clearly. I think the the shift here that's been really interesting is until I got married three weeks ago, you know, I was like, oh, kids are in the future, right? And and suddenly I'm married and I'm like, okay, like we, you know, it's kind of here. 
I want this, right? It's not like I'm saying like, oh, I feel pressured to have kids. No, like I want to start a family, but really practically I'm trying to figure out how. And so I just want to share all that in case there's someone else out there who is in my same shoes of like, you know, you're just like trying to say like, hey, this is something I want, but like I'm not going to give up my career and I don't know how the hell to do this. And um, I don't have the answers, but if anyone does, let me know. Well, why can't you have a damn career while you have a baby just right here, bopping, breastfeeding, breastfeeding on owner terms next year? Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, I can't what? I can't make these decisions. Well, I while love- I'm providing and feeding. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think the last thing I'll say is Tink's Christina Najar. She's an influencer, but went to Stanford. That's her really name. Yeah, we love Tink. See Tink come on our podcast, but um, <gasps> it would be amazing. She had a really good podcast two weeks ago about in response to the article of like when your best friend has a baby like you lose them and was basically saying like that's mm-hmm. all like we should support women at all phases but she made a great point and she was raised in london and you know is but as an american citizen like the united states just doesn't give a shit about moms and i think that's true like don't provide infrastructure we don't provide education or childcare until the kid hits five and it you know we kind of say to moms like oh like go have the baby like, Bye. And so I think that there are some structural, like societal things that need to change. And, you know, I feel very useless in trying to change those. But I think just saying out loud, like, there's a hard, this is like a hard decision to make, even when you have all the privilege and support in the world. Like, it's, it's scary and hard. And yeah, that's, that's all I got. Like, I don't have answers. I don't have any updates, like, of what we're going to do. But we're talking about, this and I'm really just trying to work through it. It's a lot yeah. day by day. And when you have that baby, Tia Cami will be down there okay. bopping that baby in the background, taking calls, whatever needs to happen, whatever okay. needs to happen. Thank you, Cami. Well, let's, let's, um, I love you too. Let's, let's transition to you because your journey with femininity and, and this topic is totally different than mine right now. Um, and I want to hear kind of how you think about your femininity, dating, someday finding a partner, starting a family on your own terms? Oh, well, I am 31 years young, almost 32. I made the choice to move back to Chicago to be closer to family and to begin to choose a place for me to build roots, which whatever that may mean, if that means having a family, finding a partner, you name it. I just know from what my parents did, being closer to a support system is just so much easier. You know, when my mom and dad had me, they were living in Washington, D.C., miles and miles away from Chicago, from my mom and my dad's family. And it was really, really tough on my mom. And my dad was still, you know, young into his career and working on Capitol Hill, trying to make a name for himself. So he had to be available at any given hour. Right. And then you have my mom feeling super, super isolated, but I'm so thankful for what they did because they were allowed they, they, they built a family structure that gave my mom the ability to be that full-time caretaker for their children, right? Because they wanted to have children. They wanted to provide a better childhood than they had. Um, but like you said, I am single and I am dating. Um, I do feel this new sense of independence that 
a lot of women in our generation are feeling. We are more financially independent, so we don't feel pressure to find someone to help support us. Jesus, if I would have married any of those men that I was dating in my 20s. No comment. No comment because I wouldn't be happy. And there were so many relationships that the way that women are programmed or at least shown to provide and be a partner within relationships is to literally give all of yourself to that person and sacrifice any of your potential. And so many of those relationships, I saw more and more of my success overshadowing their success and it would definitely alter the relationship. So as I got older and living in a society and watching these beautiful shows and movies, seeing that you know, you are able and you will be able to meet a partner one day. Well, that's just not the scenario and the reality for me. Right. Right. And I just want to break that bubble that it has to happen at a certain age. You know, that, that financial independence for women is literally a a sense of freedom that they should be able to take advantage of. But, you know, as I now am 31 getting older, the conversation of, you know, how will I be able to procreate? How will my reproductive system be able to have a child when I'm older is then putting this extra layer of pressure that has definitely put me in scenarios where I do feel like I'm rushing to date. And rushing to date to find someone has put me in positions where I feel like I'm sacrificing something in order to find a partner. So I feel like I am in the midst of debunking what it means to find a partner. What's the reason? If it's supposed to be a value add, it's supposed to make your life better. And now with science and adoption, I know that I don't need a man to have a child. Right. And that's beautiful. I mean, this is like you are getting us like super raw. Like this is real. These are real things like that people don't really talk about. Like, I mean, the fact that – can I share that you told your parents? You're like, if I'm not married by a certain time, like I might want to just have a kid on my own. Literally. And I'm going to cry because I think ever since I was young, I was like, oh, that, you know, you you literally grow up thinking that there will be this this figment prince – charming really fuck you disney (laughs) (laughs) this this disney prince who will come and just support you and love you for who you are but you know being a woman that looks like myself who talks like she does who is very vibrant outgoing wants to constantly have something on her plate literally does not know how to chill unless she is sick um I have found within the dating atmosphere that there are not a lot of men that understand what it means to have everything on their plate. And I understand that I may be putting a lot of that on myself, but I think as a woman already having the adversity that we're faced with, once I felt like people said I couldn't have it all, now I'm determined to have it all. That's so beautiful, Candy. And thank you. And it, it pisses me off because there have been many instances where I feel like, you know, men just do not 
know how to empathize or understand no. how my head and my brain may be going a mile a minute at every second. And that my, and still yet when I'm dating, such a huge thought in that dating process is how they're thinking of me. And you mentioned Tiggy's, right? She wants to reverse that of like, totally. how are you feeling about them? And fortunately or unfortunately, that has made me a lot more mindful of finding a partner. And I, I, I want to debunk the myth that a woman is only happy if she has a partner and has a child. Right. Because look at your amazing life. And I, also, I just want to say, like, I do believe that we attract the things that we deserve and that we want in life and that love is in your future. So, like, I think that is that's true. I Who knows how it will come your way. But even if it doesn't, like, you've already attracted so much love and community in your life. Can you talk about little baby Tio? Yeah, my little baby Tio. So, like Mary mentioned – right? The pandemic, we were living in LA and then I moved back home, but then I wanted to be closer to my best friend and co-founder. So I gave Nashville a shot, but I saw Mary really coming into her own and building the, building the life that she wanted and was so, you weren't, you weren't settling, right? You were looking for someone and you wouldn't settle. So when Gary came into your life, I saw this magnificent force come together. And I just felt like, well, Mary's closer to home. She's closer to family. She's has a partner now. I want to do the same. So totally moving to Chicago, it was to be closer to home just in case that in the future, that if I needed help with anything, that I would have a support system. And but yes, that was a huge like part. brave decision on your part. Like we have, you had, you do have friends in a community in Nashville in Nashville. Like you left it to move back home. You haven't lived in Chicago in 10 years, 12 years. Like it was a big jump. Like I just was so proud of you to just say like, no, like I'm going to put my roots down. Even though like it, it seems a lot of people like move back home. It's normal. Like it, it, it wasn't like our community is really scattered across the country. And I, I just, I commend you for it. Yeah. My network really isn't here anymore. I have one great girlfriend from college, but everyone's dispersed. I've come back home. My network is like my homies, my family are some in LA, some in DC, some in Nashville, some in Philly, like all over the place. And as we get older and make these decisions, right, I'm so fortunate that I have a family and come from such a tribal background that my mom and dad would love to help support me raising a, ch a, a kid. But I am also very fortunate with that this in time and age that I first wanted to try this sense of accountability with getting a dog, getting a puppy, because that was the safest next place to get something that I felt wasn't going to be like me being a single parent doing it on their own, but it was a living thing that would give me some sense of responsibility and some mirroring of how it would be to have a child. And, you know, just the other day, Tio had a little wound that got bigger and bigger and bigger and we had to take him. Oh my God. I had to take him oh, to like the urgent care, but I saw my whole day get swept, right? Like how we, I had planned my day was just turned upside down. And I had to call you, tell you I needed to delegate, do this. My mom was there to help me, um, take us to the urgent care. And then 
make sure that we had everything after that. I don't know how I could do that without having the work life balance that we right. have together and then having my mom. Oh. So I like, I think that, I think that's it. And I think it's so beautiful. Like, Look, I just want to say too, like I'm nervous to even get a dog here. Like I, I, I also want a puppy, but like I'm nervous. Seeing it takes so much work. Like it is like having a kid. Like this little baby depends on you, and like, but seeing you move back to Chicago and have your family around to help you with Tio, it, it's just it's been beautiful. It's amazing. It, it's you're been so, so beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. And yeah, I know it may sound dumb, but like I was like a dog. It's not dumb. It's okay. Oh, it's like a puppy is, yes, going to be very different than a baby, but it's going to help me with my communication skills on asking for help from my parents when I need space or when I need support of taking care of him the same way that I would think about having a child. And yes, I did tell my parents that at 35, I will start to think about having children with or without a partner, whether that's adopting. And they, we shook on it. We liked it because when I'm 35, it's going to be close to the age that my dad's retired. So Perfect. I was like, you're going to help out with this kid. Um, but I think that's a perfect segue, Mary, because we are talking about my mom and, you know, the people in your life. And we were just with my mom this past weekend at dinner and we talked to her about what we were going to be talking about today on, on our terms. So can you talk a bit about women in your life that genuinely couldn't? have it all. Literally. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about my mom. So my mom's name is Stephanie. Hey, mom. Hope you're listening to this. Um, my mom and dad divorced when I was three. So she was a single mom for a while. Um, and she had this amazing career at this nonprofit in Memphis called Friends for Life uh, that helped HIV and AIDS patients um, who are kind of dying in their journey with AIDS. And so she had this amazing mission-driven career. She helped my grandfather run his small business um, and you know, she never graduated college because she got pregnant with me. Um, and she got married young, got pregnant, dropped out with like a semester left. And, you know, as a side note for, I actually knew four generations of grandparents, which is crazy. Like I have a five generation cool. photo because everyone had babies young. So I knew my great, great grandmother. She died at age 96 when I was 11, but none of those women graduated from college. So I was the first woman in my family um, to graduate from college, which was really cool. And I flew my grandmother out to be there with me. And, but anyway, I digress. I think that the interesting thing with my mom is, you know, she gave up her career. Um, when she married my stepdad and I was four, he was an F-18 fighter pilot in the Marine Corps. We quickly moved away and lived on military bases. So if you've seen the movie, don't worry, darling. It like my childhood was a lot like that. Like all of the men were stay at home mom supporting these pilots who are off at war. Um, and then my mom got uh, postpartum depression really bad with my youngest sister and then um, had bipolar triggered by a steroid that she took. And so she's had a really, really, really tough journey medically that really stopped her ability to work at all. Um, and that's been hard for her and, you know, sad for me to see because she does have so much to offer um, to the world. And I think the cool thing about her, though, and the way I'll commend her is, you know, she always found ways to be creative. She started a small basket making business. She was always making jewelry, crafting, sewing our Halloween costumes. And I think that she's come so far in her 
mental health journey um, and just her journey with her health over the last 20 years. But I don't – I feel sad sometimes and I think she would be okay with me saying that this, that like she didn't get a shot at her career because in her instance, it was expected that she would stay home. Um, and also – the medical system really failed her in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I think at some point it would be interesting to talk about that more. I don't want to talk about it today, but it's inspired me and fueled me um, in ways, not that I don't want to be like my mom, but that I want to go out and live, have a very vibrant and meaningful career helping people because she wasn't able to do that. So that's, that's what I'll say about stuff. And then, you know, she just witnessed her first and eldest daughter get married. And that woman was an absolute joy and wreck at the same time, because <laughs> I think what's so beautiful, if, if we lived in a beautiful society that people had the choice and extreme intention to decide when they want to have a child, that of course, your thought is to have a child and you'd hope to provide for them and give them a childhood the best one that you'd be able to provide, but that's always, you know, that's always affected by your background, where you grew up, what you look like, what kind of financial background you have, if you have a job, if you have a partner, if you have a support system. And so I know, and I witnessed that like your mom, no matter how many of the hardships she went through, you are literally her legacy. And how could she not be so proud? So proud. Um, yeah, so proud she, of her Mary. Yeah. 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 She's she's great. I love her. And I have so much of her in me. Like she's vibrant. She's funny. She's ditzy. Like all the things that I like. I I just the older I get, the more I'm really proud of the similarities and what I got from her. And she lives right down the street from me. So it's it's really fun to be around her. And and talking about a sports system, like when I have a kid. I know that she'll be a really key part of that, um, which is really wonderful. So that's so nice. Let's talk about well, Hilda. We love. Let's Hilda. talk about my mama, my mom Hill Hill. Hill. Her name's Ilda, but when she moved to the United States, it was just much easier for people to say Hilda. It is what it is. But when my mom met my dad, I mean, my mom comes from such a very deep-rooted Mexican culture. So when she was growing up in Mexico and then in Chicago, right, as soon as you could be old enough as a girl, you would be taking care of the younger cousins, siblings, you name it. It was never a question, right? You were cooking, you were feeding, you were cleaning, and you had that responsibility of a caretaker. My mom is amazing at taking care of children. Her her spirituality and her love for giving love to others. Like we had such the most safest um, upbringing because that's generally what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a mother. And when she met my dad, you know, she was not going to have children with just anyone and she was not going to just date anyone. I wish I had a little bit of her, but because you of do. the background, you do. <laughs> I know I have a lot of her, but she came from a background where there weren't a lot of men in her life that gave her the stability or structure to allow her to have the, the faith in a man 
to be able to respect and give back to a female partner. So she was very, very intentional and stubborn to not just settle for anyone. So when she went, met my dad, you know, he was very driven, had an amazing career, um, wanted a future. And he was so adamant on wanting to find a partner that could help build a family with him. So she decided to be a full-time caretaker. She would raise us during the week so my dad could advance his career. And because of her, you know, he is now president of Valparaiso University and a very pivotal player in the higher education space as a Latino man. Totally. Um, when we got older and we were in high school and we were out of the house more, you know, she did get her real estate license and it allowed her uh, a flexible schedule, which was amazing. But when the pandemic happened, I could see that still there was this emotional burden on her that no matter how my parents are, she had to be there for my dad, brother, and me. And she always would put herself last. So there, even though my parents progressed such a safe place for what it means to have a safe partnership and for me to feel safe as a 31 year old, not to feel rushed to find a partner or that's my whole um, goal in life. My mom has told me that if she were to do it differently, she would love to still be able to be more financially independent. Right. So them choosing to be different and progressive in their times. Right. Allowing me to, be even more progressive and independent, right? So even though she chose to be a full-time caretaker and then a real estate agent, she still didn't have that financial independence, right? That she could make money and spend it however she wanted, right? It's not to say that my dad was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But my mom is also entrepreneurial at heart and loves the real estate industry. My dad may not understand it as much as she does. So for her to just want to be like, I just want to make a bet on this. She can't do that. But you know who could take a bet on herself is her daughter. Exactly. So I just hope that what she did and what my parents did reflects onto the decisions that I'm making that will hopefully project onto the next generation that you and I bring, whatever that may bring, who knows what they're going to be going right. through and what, what stereotypes and glass ceilings women will have to be taking down. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so beautiful. What is the, I don't know if it's a quote, but like, I just feel like we're both like living the dreams of our mothers and then like as soon as we have kids, like our whole goal will be give them what we haven't been able to have. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of pride in what we're doing because of our there, families. There is. From. I mean, there's so much pressure from society. Like, and now wherever I go, people are like, are you dating? Have you found someone yet? And it's so annoying because it's like, if you would dare understand the trials that I'm going through, the dating and experience. And then even my dad, he's like, Cammie, come on. It's not that hard. I'm like, are you shitting me, sir? You try swiping left and swiping right. And you try meeting people post pandemic, honey. Oh my God. But, um, I've never felt more loved from my mom when she would be like, Cammie, I don't mind if you never get married, like get married when you're 60, you do not need, um, a partner because just as of right now in the past and stereotypically when a woman does find a partner, it's really hard for them to find an equal 
partner. So for what you said earlier about how Gary has already approached you about how he would be available to raising your children in ways that maybe other men wouldn't be open to is just showing that hopefully when creating a family, it's not just going to be on the woman. Totally. Totally. And I think like, I think there are men out there like Gary who believe that and who are wonderful and in Chicago and hopefully we'll come across your path. <laughs> I'm, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm the like, optimist. I, and I, I don't want to sound not feminist here, but I think like, I think it's bold. Like what we're both saying, like I'm saying like, I want to be, and I'm scared to hell to do it. And you're saying like, I will be okay without love, but I want love. And I think it's powerful for women to claim the things that we want and to think that this is all not connected to our business and what we're building is so naive. It's all connected. Like we both moved home to have support systems. Like having a partner in life is having more support. Like it's all interconnected. And I just, I, I wish more people would own that and would like talk about how important it all is and, and to be honest and open with what we want, because that's, that's how we get what we want. And I think that the interesting thing is, is that, you know, who's really good at asking for what they want? Men. <laughs> so I think <laughs> that that's a really nice segue um, to how like we're building our team at Vodium and like the way that we're, you know, approaching everyone as whole humans. But, I, you know, I'll start with this because one of the things that we do that is very feminine is leading with kindness, right? Yeah. And as John, our investor, always says, you know, always trust a woman's intuition. Like we really do lead with our heart. We value kindness. It's very much a part of our company culture. But like the thing that we still hold on to, and I think that this is part of owning our femininity while still being business leaders, is like we can be really, really tough when we need to and ask for what we want. And we're not afraid to do that when it comes to our team, our product, um, our company, like we're bulldogs, right? Or mama bears, if you will. And so oh, I, I like that. Yeah. Like I think that, you know, I just hope to tie it all in a bow. Like we can also be bullish about what we want and aggressive about what we want in our personal lives too. Well, talk about that because, you know, the thing that you mentioned earlier, is not, um, is not like, I don't hear it often and I didn't, I still struggle with distingu distinguishing uh, myself as a whole person versus just a working person and yeah. only identifying myself based on where my career is and totally. knowing that we'll talk about this in another episode, but that we're, we're living a blended life. And that means, no, if we don't want to be told that we can't have it all, we want to be we want to feel as if we can have it all. And that just means that we're going to have to be a lot more proactive in how we communicate and set the standards for how we're going to approach any facet in our life, work, having children, family, right? Sending, setting boundaries, setting expectations. So can you let the listeners know a little bit how we approach that with our team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we always, always do is start off our team meetings with the personal. We check in, you know, we ask, Cammy asks in our Tuesday meetings, like, what's one interesting thing that happened to you over the weekend? On Fridays, we do high lows or rosebud and thorn, like talking about, like, and, and people get really vulnerable, like the, the good and the bad of your week, personally and professionally. And like, I think that's so important. And 
especially in virtual when you're not having those like, okay, like water cooler conversations, but where you're not like running into your friend at the coffee station saying like, Hey, how was your weekend? Or like, Oh my God, like this thing happened to me. Right. You have to actually build that in. So if you're running a virtual team, like it's not small talk. It's actually really important. I think the other thing that we do is we always provide flexibility for how we spend our weeks, right? Like so many days we don't have meetings because it's stressful to like come back in and like jump in right into meetings and reporting on what you're doing. And we found that if we let people have Mondays to really wrap their head around their weeks and get caught back up on projects, our Tuesday meetings are really productive. We provide flexibility for appointments. Like Taylor has our TSA pre-check appointment tomorrow. Like we we don't need to know about that. Like I only ask because I said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Show me your work meetings. Show me your personal meetings, right? Like you got to just get done what you're getting done. And I think we've kind of, I don't know if we've coined the term blended lifestyle, but like that's what we lead with, right? Like you bring your whole self to work. And since we're not in an office, like your your home office is your work and like get done what you need to get done. And hopefully like this is us paving the way for women and our male employees like who who need that flexibility um, to, to yeah. live their happiest lives. What about you? And I re- I remember when I was, you know, unhappy in my old in, in my old job, I would listen to podcasts and one this one woman was like employees want to be affirmed, right? And I remember my past employee literally telling me one time was like if you think I'm going to be like the boss who gives you like a hurrah speech and tells you that you've done a great job, like it's not going to be me. That is so um, toxic. I literally <laughs> when I was an employee, I literally would tell managers like, I don't know how to say this to you, but like, I do really well with affirmation. So I will work so hard. You just tell me a good job. Like, and it kind of came back to bite me in the ass. I'm not going to lie because they'd be like, you're amazing. Good job. And then I just work harder and harder and harder because I'm a glutton for that. But you know, like it worked <laughs> and I was pretty happy because I was getting the gold stars, the stars. Yeah. Oh my God. What the hell? You start that in like preschool, a gold star really. associated with your attitude and your approach to things. Um, what? So, but when I heard that affirmation actually is a thing, I immediately associated that, well, this is a woman telling us this and I'm currently unhappy with two male bosses. I've never had the experience of a female boss, but I've also received a lot of female toxicity in jobs as well, because we're so often, um, uh, pinned against each other and competitive and that's not our fault. So we need to really break the mold. I think one of the best ways that I've led that within our company and continue to do is I just constantly ask questions. I mean, I don't ever want to be told that I can't do something. So the best way to figure out how to do something is to ask questions. And I consistently ask things that, you know, what does that mean? I'm still nervous sometimes, especially on like what the hell is going on. I'm so thankful I found a partner in Mary that she does have a better understanding in that space. So when I feel a little left out and very confused that I utilize her and she utilizes me in different ways. Um, another way that we do this is I've been very honest about my mental health ever since I was very, very young. I started going to therapy when I was 18. I asked my parents to find me a therapist. And I remember when I moved to Washington, D.C., I was having such adjustment 
anxiety and depression that my parents found me a great, great psychiatrist. And I remember telling my boss like, Hey, every Thursday I have to leave at this time for therapy. And I was just the press assistant. So for me to leave before all of the rest of the press team was like a huge, huge no, no. But I remember when all these press secretaries would be like, where are you going? We need this. I was like, oh, I'm going to therapy. Like, so sorry. You can catch me later. That was such a yeah. yeah, I'm 22. It was still 20, it was 2014. Like therapy was not. Well, and you didn't leave your desk. Like you did not leave your no. desk until 530. Like if you left at 525, people would literally like, look at you. Like, what are you doing? Like it was wild. Yeah. Please. And we talked about this as well with having a majority female team. We do have menstrual cycles. This means that sometimes we cannot control the way we feel. So once we lead with the space of people allowing to say that, hey, I'm feeling off today, we immediately tell them, do what you need to take care of yourself. Because I don't want you to associate work with being a burden. So, and we have gotten a return that when people take time for themselves, they are actually way more productive. Um, and that comes with the safe place that we provide with the healthcare, with telling them to put their health first when they need time off, that we allow them to take it. And, um, you know, I think we're doing a really great job of teaching our team of what it means to have a work-life balance and now totally. it's more of a blended life baby life. but yeah we yeah i think that's right i'm really proud of the team we built but also the work culture that we've built and we've only hired smart nice people and yes uh, i'm really proud of that and it, you know it's it just it's working and hopefully one day we'll be the team will grow and we'll be running a, a much larger team and we'll see how that what it could look like to have the culture that we're building um with more people. But right now with our five and a half employees, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, Mary, thank you for showing up today and letting thank us you. share story. And I hope it helps others. Um, can't believe I cried. I usually do cry all the time, but this was the first time I'm crying on, on our terms. Let's no. mark it. October 5th, the day yeah. of our Lord. Literally, literally. And I, I got actual butterflies because I, you know, like it's nerve-wracking to talk about this because it's just not an open and accepted thing to no. talk about. Like if we worked with all the men and we were no. like, excuse me, I'm about to have a panic attack. Can you all just excuse me for a second? And then you return back to that office space. Bullshit that they're going to take you just as credible as yeah, they were literally. about to take you before you said that. And that's just, that's just bullshit. It is. And it's also like, it's nerve-wracking. And maybe this is a product of working with men, right? To talk about things publicly, also live, that you don't have to figure out yet. <laughs> right? Like you don't have it all figured out. Like I tell you about our development story all day, every day, not like not even think twice, feel confident, controlled, like cool and calm and collected. Like talking about this, I don't have it figured out. I'm like actively working through it. Like Gary and I were meeting with our financial advisor yesterday having these conversations. Like it's really raw and vulnerable for me. So thanks for providing a safe space and, um, you know, getting me to go there because I'm not always good about talking about my feelings, but Cami is really in the years of our seven years of our friendship taught me how to do it. So, <laughs> well, I truly learned that in uh, college with journalism and the best question to, um, to ask, to ever get someone to answer more than just yes and no is to start with how. So Ooh, how are you feeling? How are you today? Well, how did that make you feel? You know, yeah. Well, listen to people and further. How, Cami, 
Are you managing virtual with tips, tricks, and hacks? Give us a, a good Yes, hack. baby. We're here for the run through. So let's end the episode as we always do with the run through as we talk about virtual hacks, current events in a business we can't get enough of. I think this, in terms of the virtual hack, I want to talk about on camera versus off camera meetings. We always provide that safe place if people don't want to be on camera, of course, but speak to it immediately, right? Like, guys, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to be off camera. I'm just not feeling too hot or like I'm really in bed. It's still 8 a.m. Are you kidding me? Why are we meeting this early? But, you know, so many people and companies, we've heard about this and we want to write about this one day, is that so many companies are having such issues with feeling like they're having a... The, the, uh, having the ability to truly manage virtually. And that could be the lack of actually in person. I think on camera is very, very important because it gives yeah. that in-person nature. I think when, you know, when we have our meetings, like you said, we don't have meetings on Monday, but on Tuesday we do. I really, really want people to be on camera so we, so we can have that vocal point and connection for the week. Right. But, towards the end of the day, towards the end of the weeks, if yeah. I'm feeling really tired, if I feel like being on person and being on camera is going to drain me, I'm going to speak to that and then choose to be off camera. But to be productive and have a productive virtual team on camera is very, very important. But please like drizzle some beautiful spots where you are just going to have a call. You're going to literally right? Just, like just a call. feels, in. Yeah. Just a call feels like a luxury these days. So like we are, we're very specific of the meetings that we have every week and what each meeting is going to be accomplishing and doing. So like end the week strong, the meeting that we have every Friday where we talk about our rose. Um, what is it? The rosebud rose. thorn. Yeah. Good job. I wouldn't, listening. I, thank you. I wouldn't mind if people are off camera on that meeting, right? It's yeah. Friday. You may right. get a coffee shot, but be engaged the best way that you can. So that's that. a virtual hack. Let's talk about what you're um, diving into in the new season. Well, um, I will tell you when I was in Chicago last week, Kimmy and I watched the inaugural Golden Bachelor. And uh, uh, I not recommend the bachelor's name is Gary. Love that. And it's just really cool. He's like a genuine Indiana guy. These women are beautiful and smart and amazing. And it's, I I've never been a bachelor fan. I think I've like watched one season in high school, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch tonight. Like I I'm hooked. I'm, I'm <gasps> it's Thursday. I'm so excited. I'm invested. I, um, think it's really neat. And yeah, I want to get my mom to go on next season if they do this again. So um, she needs crash. to. She's a beautiful one thing my dad is, is your mom above 60? She turns – I'm sorry, mom. I'm going to show your age. She turns 60 in May. So she can because I don't think anyone under the age of oh. 50 is allowed. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. my dad was like, what the hell? But I'm like, no. Makes sense. They're they, they You can tell that they've been super intentional about certain things, right? More women of color, thank you, and just not one type of person of color, different types of cultures and backgrounds, which is really nice too. Um, what I am watching is, you know, we're news girlies. Sam Bakeman-Fried's fraud trial has kicked off. 
last this past Tuesday, it did. Um, this is just very interesting. You know, my mom was with me this week and she goes, Oh, I just feel bad for him. I was like, Why do you feel bad for him? I am why? Why? She goes, he just doesn't seem to know what's going on. And I'm like, I really think he's playing that to his advantage. Oh, if you listen to all of the stories and the news segments, he was very manipulative. And then finally, the defense were able to get people from his team to speak on their behalf on what their decisions were and how they were intentionally frauding their customers and clients. I think it's just, my mom even said, how was that man able to get so much money and you and Mary still struggle to be taken seriously? Woo, Hilda, preach. I mean, and I this know. is why Elizabeth Holmes specifically deepened her voice to no, be taken more seriously sweater. and wore a black sweater. It's just absolute bullshit and I love John, our investor, for saying that you trust a woman's intuition. I love that we're talking about owning our femininity because that isn't a detriment. That's actually yeah. such a beautiful push forward and solution for us to be open to ask these intimate questions, these vulnerable questions to then get us to the point quicker, Literally. get us to address the pain point quicker and solve and get to a solution quicker right. too. Totally. Also, we didn't talk about this, but one thing we intentionally did when we started Vodium and branding, we have a pink, purple, and baby blue uh, brand guidelines and book and color and logo. Like our our visual brand is very feminine. That is deliberate. Not only do we like those colors and love purple, but um, we wanted to be different and stand out. And I don't know. I think people like it. People love it. But in the beginning, so many people were like, why aren't you going to do blue? I think this is too feminine. I don't think it's going to yeah. scream tech. It's not going to scream tech. You shitting me. I literally got these colors from a scheme from like bare paint and it was supposed to be electricity. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. But Anyway, let's end off today's episode. Dream sponsor. Dream sponsor. HubSpot. You know, MLA HubSpot, yes, we have progressed with our relationship. You keep on finding ways for us to be paying more. But it's flying away. The money just flies to them. It just flies, flies away. But it's so much less expensive than other platforms that play as uh, your CRM. So HubSpot is a very intuitive platform where you really don't need designers or developers. We've had Taylor, our director of marketing, rebuild our entire website to give us the autonomy of continually updating and making changes to our the way that we provide business to our users, where in the past, we were kind of, what is it, like handcuffed to our developers? Because oh, yeah. every website was hard-coded, everything. Oh, so yeah. there's no hassle integrations. It's all in one software. It has amazing support and it really works with anything. But this is how we have our CRM, our marketing, our support, and it's been Man. such a life savior. And we were able to whip up our On Our Terms webpage in a matter of days, whereas in the past, it has taken thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to have an outside developer hard code it and just upcharge you. And so far for our startup, HubSpot has been such a great um, outlet for us. So thanks, Sponsor HubSpot. Cami, we're going to do it. We're at 59 minutes. We're going to do <gasps> your an hour. Let's close it out. Go. Let's do it. So 
Thank you everyone for listening to On Our Terms. If you enjoyed this episode, please share our journey wherever you're on social media. And see you next time on On Our Terms. Bye. Bye.